Hey, and welcome to the show. I am so excited to introduce to you our next guest. She's an amazing woman. And I have to be honest, I've been trying to book this person on this show for the longest time. So without any further ado, please welcome Erin Saxton. Erin, welcome to the show. I have to say, I have called you so many times and sent you hundreds of text messages. But wait, I'm confused. Aren't we, you, never mind. You're just blowing me off though. It's like you're avoiding me. Did you leave a voicemail? Voicemail? I didn't, I didn't think I had to leave voicemail, but duly noted next time I'll leave a voicemail. Okay, so now that you are here, let's have the viewers at home get to know you a bit. Sounds good. As you are getting to know me, I need to warn you that I just like to shoot from the hip and ask you some questions. So here we go. Great. Erin, where were you born? (laughs) I mean, you know where. Okay. I was born in Atlantic City, New Jersey. We were born in Atlantic City, New Jersey. In fact, it's the green space on the Monopoly board, Pacific Avenue, for all those fun facts people might want to know about me. What was your childhood like? I I think my childhood was really great. We had uh, a swing set and I went to school and I had lots of great friends. So did you. You know, we grew up very suburban, American, fun, lemonade stands, some broken teeth along the way maybe on water slides, just everything that a girl could ever dream of. Give us some fun facts about Erin Saxton. Well... Rumor has it my great-grandmother used to work for Thomas Edison. No way, really? Totally fun, right? I love cheeseburgers. I love cheeseburgers so much that I think I could create a coffee table book based on cheeseburgers. Like if I could tour the world and just critique each burger and put it in a book, that would be great. So what made you think you wanted to have a video podcast? You know, I didn't think I should do it. And I'm 49. I'm 49. I don't know how old you are, but I'm 49. And I figured that after a few people strongly suggested I just finally get in front of the camera, I'm just finally doing it. There's days where I'm oddly comfortable with it and many days really not. I'm used to being a behind the scenes girl. And so I've, I'm I've made a career out of helping other people look really good. And now it's my turn. And oddly enough, as by proof of this interview, I'm also okay with looking dorky and silly and sometimes not so good. So if you weren't in the media, what do you think you would have done instead? Well, the joke is I would be a stripper and then everyone laughs because, you know, we all know. You can't write a book on cheeseburgers and want to be a stripper. Like, it's just, you just, it's not sexy. You can't. So I forego that dream. But when I was little, I used to want to be on The Price is Right. 
and modeling cars and microphones and you know all different refrigerators and the TV was put on the community channel. Do you remember that? I don't know if you had this when you were a little girl, like, you know, but I think we're about the same age. So in our town, like the pancake suppers, and it would be a roll and you'd read it and it would go slowly enough that I used to pretend it was a teleprompter. And once I did the loop a few times, I would have my mom and my dad and my brother would just make fun of me, but I would read the Knights of Columbus at 7 p.m. on, you know, and I'd go through that whole thing. Then once I fell in love with the teleprompter, I used to think, well, I'm going to be a newscaster. I didn't do any of that because I got an internship at Good Morning America. And here I was, I'm dating myself, but if you can imagine, Erin, we're there on the set at Good Morning America. Joan London's there. Charlie Gibson's there. And we were standing there with amongst two other friends of mine. And Joan London said to Charlie, look how cute our interns are. And all these producers and all these guests looked at us. And it wasn't like they wanted to kill us. But we definitely were the young kids and we got attention. And immediately I thought, I'm not leaving. This is, you'd be crazy to leave this environment where people on newscasts all over the country are trying to get to. Why would I leave here to go there? So I stayed. So if I wasn't in media, in essence, honestly, I think I would have studied to be a psychologist. <laughs> Serious answer. I like helping people. I like figuring out what's wrong, what makes them tick. I'm kind of obsessed with it. So profound. You know, Erin, I have to say, I was skeptical at first, but you really ask like really in-depth, excellent questions. I knew you'd come around to liking me. When people visit your website and your social media channels, what could they expect? I think they can expect fun. I think they can expect a variety. I, I want a lot of different guests on this podcast. And there's other parts of the website on the Aaron Network that, you know, I'll interview book authors. I'll be interviewing inventors and CEOs, maybe not for that girl from Jersey show, but on another part of the a vertical and Aaron Network. And then I'm still doing consulting. And anytime I'm doing media, we'll put it up there. And I probably will just do lots of videos and lots of commentary. And that group, whoever hangs out with me there at the Aaron Network, will hear about things first. Tell me, what's your proudest moment? Hands down, giving birth to my son, Eric, who's now 14. I had, um, I didn't have any trouble getting pregnant, but I absolutely had trouble sustaining the pregnancies. And unfortunately, I lost uh, a few babies through miscarriage early on, but for anybody out there who's ever lost a child, lost in utero, it you never forget that. And it got to the point where I wasn't sure I was ever going to even be able to have a child. So fast forward to when I finally was blessed with Eric and I delivered him 13 hours of labor, went into a C-section, long story, but I just, I saw him and every day still I look at him and I'm just like, oh, I'm so lucky. 
You know, Erin, I really feel like we're getting closer. Tell me more about your path. Okay. Career, personal. Where are you going? My path in life. Another excellent question, Erin. I I really want to explore this on-camera thing. I really love making people laugh. I love connecting with people. If I could figure out a way to get to know as crazy as this sounds, but everyone in the world, I would. One day I was sitting at Giants Stadium. My, my brother used to play for the New York Giants. And I was just looking around and my mom was like, what are you doing? Your brother's on the field. And I just, I said, mom, I don't know. Wouldn't it be so cool if you could just have like, even if just one sentence, you, you could just learn something about every single person in this stadium. And of course, she just stared at me. But I really wanted to do that. You know, I just thought like, even the people who give something out, if you could just learn one thing, I'm, I'm sort of obsessed with figuring out just a little bit about everybody. And I ask questions naturally. So I, I would think that's a path. Even in my personal life, I'm just always kind of wanting to make more friends. Funny enough, though, I don't feel like I have a lot of really close friends. I have a lot of people that I really, really like a lot. And I have a really small group of people that I would trust with my life. I think it's clear that we're pretty good at talking to one another. But let's go even deeper. What would you say to a younger Aaron who is just starting out? I have so much I would tell a younger Aaron. I am very sensitive as an adult. I care what people think. And I really was conservative in some of the career moves I made. And and people would think that that's the opposite. But I actually was somewhat risk adverse with some of my career choices. I didn't play the game as well as I could have played because I was worried about what somebody would think. And if I could go back in time and realize, you know what? It doesn't even matter. It doesn't. It hurts and it makes you feel uncomfortable. But I guess I would tell the younger version of me, just try to be a little more comfortable being uncomfortable. Give me an overview of your career. Highlights, what you've liked, what you haven't liked so much. I went to East Strasburg University and, you know, it was the late 90s. No, early 90s. Oh my gosh, I'm so getting older. And there weren't many internship opportunities. There was just a few. I didn't really love either of my options. And when I say a few, I mean two. Didn't love the options. And I had a professor who really was supporting me and supportive of a third option, which I created, my family created, um, just by our network. And that was for Good Morning America. And while I wasn't given the internship, I was at least given the opportunity to interview for the internship. And I went and my dad sat in the lobby and it was six hours long. I should have asked better questions because I had no idea it was supposed to be that long. But there's six departments at the time. Each department had each intern for an hour. And hence, you know, 
You don't need to be a math wizard to figure that one out. It was three hours. No, I'm kidding. It was six hours. Get it? Is this thing on? Okay. And immediately I went, oh, I'm in. Like, I'm like, I will. I, I'm getting this. And I just thought, I'm not going to stop. And that's when I knew the first day, I'm like, this is a really... This grown-up thing, this corporate thing, this TV thing, totally competitive, and I'm going to win at it. I graduated, and luckily, they hired me as a permanent temp person, right? So all I was was a glorified um, vacation filler-inner, right? So if, in all these departments that they had, if somebody were going on vacation, I would float, and I'd go from one department to the next. There were hurricanes that summer, really crazy news coverage. I learned a lot, and I had a really great experience. So after Good Morning America, there was chatter of Barbara Walters, who had her own production company, needing an entry-level person. And that fire came in again, like, oh, I need to get this. And once I was with Barbara, it kind of took on a whole new level for me. I was traveling with Barbara for the primetime celebrity specials. And I was there for many, many years. And eventually I hit the proverbial wall. You know, I tried to get as many promotions as possible and work really hard, but it's a small production company. So there's only, you know, maybe six, seven, eight of us at any given time. So, and the people that were there at the top were not leaving. And I didn't want to go, and luckily they didn't want me to go, but I left anyway. And I went to work for a TV show that Dow Jones had at the time. And we mixed financial, and I brought in my celebrity stuff into it. So it was a nice mix, and I worked there for a year. And then they called a meeting, and they said, sorry, but the show's ended, we've been canceled. But I thought, you know what? I've never been worried about my next move as overanalyzing as I can be and self-deprecating as I can be. The one thing I've never second-guessed was my career. So when we were at the meeting, obviously they were like, yeah, so we're done. You don't need to come in tomorrow. And it was surreal, but I also did not feel any panic. I wasn't thinking anything, really. I just thought, I got this. Something awesome is about to happen. So I walked back to my desk and my phone rang and I picked it up and it turned out to be Bill Getty, who was my boss at the production company for Barbara Walters that I just worked at. He said, Aaron, how are you doing? And I said, I'm, I'm good, Bill. How are you? He's like, well, you've been away from me for about a year and a half. I said, I know. I miss you. He's like, I'm starting this talk show. It's called The View. And I'm, I want you to come back. I want you to come back home and I, I want to offer you a job. So offline, he couldn't see it, but I was like this. Like, I already have a new job. Yay, go me, go me. But I was cool. And I thought, well, I can't go back at the same level I was with Bill. Because that was one of our issues. We were We worked so well together. And I was like a niece or a daughter, an older daughter, right? And so I I was so good at being his sidekick, like an assistant type person, that he wasn't able to let me 
expand my horizons. One, because there wasn't room, but two, he admittedly was like, no, you, you make my life really great here at work. So as much as I was excited to get the call for The View, I quickly was like, whoa, is this guy, have I been away from this team long enough so they felt like I grew up? It's hard to, when you're looked upon as that production assistant, you start working there when you're 21 years old, you know, are you going to ever look like a grown up to these people? So I said to him, I would love to come back, but what would my title be? And it's not that I wanted a specific title. I just wanted the lot in life to be better or more significant than when I left Bill in the first place. And if you're watching this, Bill, I know you remember this conversation, but he's like, yes, Aaron, I know he was rolling his eyes. Yes, Aaron, I want you to come back. I'm like, as a producer? He's like, yes, Aaron, as a producer, okay? You know, like you bright, you big baby. That's what he wanted to say to me. So I said, well, then I say yes. And I was one of the original producers of The View. And it was great. And I think we know the rest of that story. Worked there for a bunch of years, Emmy nominations, worked with really great people. And one day I had an idea for a PR company, but it was a niche company. And I realized I'm an entrepreneur. As much as I am a TV producer, as much as I love being a creator of things, I, I, I have this idea for a company. And it bridged the gap between media and anybody who wanted to be in the media. And at the time, you know, you were just starting to email, you were just starting to send texts and people still had beepers, like it was crazy. And so you were trying to get producers' attention to say, hey, here's a book author, don't you want them on your show or this or that? I quickly realized that the people who wanna be on TV, who wanna be in magazines, who wanna be on radio, they don't know how to talk to the producers or editors that create these programs or these articles. And the yucky part about that is that some of their stuff is really good. And if they just could translate their world into what producers and people in the media needed to hear, they probably would have more success getting on the media outlet or category that they wanted to get. So I thought, that's it. I'm going to bridge the gap between my world and everybody else who wants to be in it. And I called it the Idea Network. So for fun, I'm calling this the Aaron Network, just to be a little nostalgic. Um, I fast forward, ran that company with a great team for 12 years, ended up merging that company with a business colleague, and then started a private production company sometime later. And soon enough, I became the Aaron Network, and I'm back here. I really am fast forwarding, but that that has me aging a lot. So we're just going to now fast forward to here. I have learned so much about you. What advice would you give to people who really want to follow their dreams? I, I get being nervous following your dream. I think, though, you need to do it anyway. If something makes me nervous... I think, what's freaking me out? Is it safe or am I not wanting to do it because it's life-threatening? One time I was afraid to be a waitress 
it, it freaked me out. And yet I loved the money grab. I loved hustling, getting tables, quick turnaround, tips. <laughs> Love that. But I had this fear of dropping all the plates and spilling drinks. And it became so much of a negative for me that I finally then forced myself to do it. And I dropped plates and I spilled a pina colada on this one man at a restaurant in the Poconos. And I thought, you know those scary movies where you have a dream and then the next day in the movie, the person is reliving their dream, but they're awake? That was me in the Poconos with like this piano player off to the side. I believe he had a ruffled tuxedo shirt on and he was singing Happy birthday to you. You know I love you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Dolores. Happy birthday to you know I love you. You. And at that, everyone was like, yay. He went, yay. I tripped. And I don't know. I tripped over someone's purse pina colada like not even water not sprite like a frothy there was like the orange peels on them like the cherry stems all over it was the worst case scenario that I've ever imagined it could be I absolutely heck I think I manifested it right but you know so we paid for his dry cleaning and he went home and I waitressed the next day. And I was no longer afraid of it. So I guess you have to... Now, I'm not saying serving, waitressing was my dream. But that if you're afraid to do your dream, you can't let fear grab hold of you. Because I thought if I'm afraid to be a cocktail waitress in college, and I was thin then, I'm never going to... Fear will take over everything for me. If I can't do this with my roommates, we had the best time. Then I'm not going to, then this will just paralyze me for anything else I wanted to do. So honestly, my best advice is you have to go for it. As long as you're not hurting anyone or yourself, you have to try. If you're anything like me, you've had some pretty stressful days. I know. So what do you do? How do you get through it? Is there any tips you have? So I love to binge watch TV at night. And if I can climb into bed every night and I can watch any of my favorite shows and I can know with certainty that I got through that day, I accomplished what I needed to do. I checked my little boxes off the list. Then how great will that little TV binge be that night? And I used to reward myself with food. Like if I can get through this, I'm going to have, you know, everything for me was about McDonald's. Like in good times or in bad, the golden arches were like lassoing me in, right? Well, that couldn't really, that's not sustainable. I, I don't recommend celebrating good and bad things with food. Trust me, right? So I needed to break that. And so I became little wins 
I became more aware of like little moments, right? Now, even if I had a really bad day and even if I didn't check the boxes, I still could have binged watched my shows and I did, but there's that comfy feeling that you did it. There's that sense of accomplishment that you had a great day, even if it was stressful, and all you have to do is get to the end of that rainbow and you can press reset. There's times where when I was producing, I remember I had a really bad segment and it got to the point where for my line of work, everybody saw if I had a bad day, right? Millions of people watched me at work every day. They might not see me on camera, but if a guest didn't talk the way they needed to talk or didn't hit their marks. I mean, you know, somebody has a bad day at at an office, maybe 12 coworkers know. I was stacking up millions of like epic fails, right? My segments, if they were really good, would make the comedy shows at night. They'd make the talk soup shows. They'd make the clips. If I had a really great day at work, other producers would notice and they'd either make fun of one of my hosts or look at a product or something. It was all compliments. But you don't want to be on those shows when it's a bad segment. So you have a bad segment and then you wait. Crap. Did anyone watch this? Or am I just being overcritical? You know? So one day was so bad that I looked at my coworker and I said, you know, I just, she's like, what are you going to do? I said, I'm just going to shower. <laughs> she's like, what? I said, I, I need to shower. She's like, why? I said, I feel so gross from what just happened that I now don't even want to have any, any remnants or any energy of the, and I wasn't even being woo woo namaste spiritual. I was like this, I'm so grossed out by this day that I just need to like, bathe. (laughs) And, And then she and I just started laughing. What advice would you give to someone who wanted to get into media? What I love about the option of being a TV producer today is there's so many more opportunities. So yes, you have your network TV shows, you have, but now you have your cable shows. Now you have your YouTube shows. Now you have shows on Instagram and you name it like Facebook. You have so many different formats that you technically could be a producer in. So I will just say that in my opinion, not everybody who has an iPhone who can shoot a movie is a producer. I'm calling you out because you're not. But that doesn't mean you can't start there, learn your craft and get as good as you can on that level and just keep building and building and building. And that's what I would do. I no longer think that there's this epicenter of producer bills. I think that there's like these wonderful routes that you can go as being a TV producer. And there's tons of people that are really nice that will be willing to teach you. So what I would absolutely say is thank goodness for social media. Thank goodness for all of the ways we can digitally connect because everybody, no matter where they are right now, could reach out to somebody 
even if they don't know them. And as long as you're not creepy, you can make friends, you can be introduced to other people and network till you cannot network anymore. And I feel that if you come from the most sincere of places and you stay in, in integrity in a very crazy world that sometimes does not have a whole lot of that integrity, I think that you will yield success beyond imagine. You know, Erin, I think we need to continue this dialogue off camera. Sadly enough, I think you and I are going to be stuck with each other for quite some more time. I think so too. Twinsies! Erin, thank you for a great interview. <laughs> thank you, Erin. I really appreciate it. Well, everyone, we're going to wrap this up. Erin and I, we have some talking to do to ourselves, But we want to say thanks for joining us. And we hope that you'll tune in to every show that one of us does. So on behalf of Erin Saxton from That Girl from Jersey, I'll see you real soon. Oh, 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 oh,